time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, July 24th. <laughs> Just one month off from my birthday, August 24th. How about that? Just thought about that. That's random. Anyway, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals and is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And my, oh my, do we have some timely information for you today. Can't wait to talk about it and get into it. I want to say a thank you to our sponsors. Our newest sponsor, Byte Software. They make an ideal loan processing come to life through their LOS, which is, it's like an FPRE, it's like it's an enterprise solution LOS deal. But one of the things I like about this, about them, is they help with workflow automation. They do so many things well. But you know that they keep, their contracts are only for a year long, one year renewable, renewable, rather than brand X out there who locks you in for four or five years and then charges you a small fortune. You've got to check out, if you're looking to cut costs in your company, you've got to check out Byte Software, what they're doing to help companies reduce costs and then allow unlimited custom screens and fields that you're doing, what you would pay a fortune through through other vendors. I'm so excited to have Byte Software, a leader in the marketplace, has been around for a long time, doing a great job. When you have some of the major companies, like Atlantic Bay uses them, also um, Radius uses them. I mean, the list of companies that use Byte Software are notable. So they're a full-on, robust system. You think it's, <clears throat> it's a, uh, more of a system for a smaller company? Wrong. Smaller companies do use it because it's affordable, but bigger companies are using, like Atlantic Bay is using it because of the flexibility and the cost structure, and it is so robust. So check out Byte Software. Very excited to have them. Also, Finastra, the largest fintech company in the world. They're really excited about having them. Their solutions, they have a point-of-sale solution that's just outstanding, as well as many aspects of their technology. It covers a host of things. They, too, have some uh, aspects of the lo- with the loan origination, but what they do is they provide so many solutions. A lot of their customers are banks and credit unions, but they're expanding into the IMB space more and more. But check out all that Finastra has. I love listening to them, and we're so honored to have them as a sponsor because they're the number one in the world when it comes to fintech solutions. So check them out. Then Total Expert. I got to tell you, the more I work with Total Expert, I just continue to be amazed at what to do. We have had more guests come out of the interviews that we're going to be releasing, have released, and will continue to release from the Total Expert Accelerate Conference. I kid you not, next year you must be at it. It's a must-go-to conference. And so check out Total Expert and all that they do. Again, it's a platform that unifies data, marketing, sales, compliance solutions to provide a cohesive experience across all your platforms to the customer and to your customer. So what they're doing, listen to the interview and the vision that Joe Weldu has. We released that on March uh, 15th. We're going to be doing another update. So we got a number of others coming up. So you're going to enjoy some of the interviews we have uh, with uh, Magic Mike here a little bit. So, hey, also Candor Technology. We got the best of the best solutions out there, folks. Candor Technology is the only company that's been granted a patent for the, their process. And again, it's an underwriting process. So they've approached it unique in a unique way, so much so that they were able to get a patent. We have many, more and more of our clients are using Candor, and they're getting a significant lift on the number of loans that can be underwritten. Again, it's only underwriting solution to get a patent for their unique tech solution. It optimizes workflow, something we should all be thinking about and focusing on. Check them out. Also, Simple Nexus, appreciate what their contribution to and their sponsorship. Also, Mortgage Bankers Association, Lenders, one in the mortgage collaborative. Now, these three organizations, MBA, you need to become a part of it. You also need to be part of the Mortgage Action Alliance app to make sure your voice is being heard on the Hill to support what the MBA is doing. The nice part is you do not need to be a member of MBA, even though you should be, 
You do not need to be a member to have your voice heard through the Mortgage Action Alliance. And then Lenders One and Mortgage Collaborative. Now, Kittle would prefer to say, oh, it's Mortgage Collaborative and Lenders One. Of course, we just put them both in there. Alphabetical order, kind of a OCD thing I got going there. So anyway, both of these co-ops do a great job of helping you connect with each one of your peers at the at a very similar size to you. What TMC has, the Mortgage Collaborative, they have a um, the collabs, which we'll be a part of. They have vendor collabs. They have lender collabs. We're going to be a part of that coming up in September in Nashville. Uh, very exciting what they have going on. Lenders One has got another executive roundtable going on this week. I believe it's in Washington, D.C. I was just talking to Trisha Megliazzo about that, a good friend of David's and mine, and uh, many on this podcast. So anyway, check out both of these in uh, these co-ops, Lenders One and Mortgage Collaborative. We belong to both of them. We think you should, too. Also, Knowledge Coop does a great job. It's a learning management system. Mobility, MMI, and Modex. Oh, my gosh. How do you run a business and recruit without these two companies at providing a business intelligence tools? They know who is originating what and where and with what realtors. We'll be talking about the realtors here in just a minute. That's big news. That's some big things we're going to be talking about today. But check out Mobility, MMI, and Modex. Also, Mortgage Advisory Tools. We've got so many sponsors. If you're interested in being a sponsor, go to our website, lickingonlending.com. Fill out the information. We'd love to talk to you. This week, oh, no, last week, we released the interview with Ms. Melissa Langdale, uh, who is the uh, new – David, do I have having this right? She's the president and COO. Do I have that right, Dr. Kittle? Yeah, that's correct. Good, good, good. Anyway, that interview was Excellent. And you've got to check out what's so encouraging about that is Melissa Langdale represents the next generation of mortgage bankers coming up in our ranks. For us old guys like Hill, myself, and many others on here, Mark Helm, we just thrilled to see who's coming up in the leadership. And Melissa represents the next generation of mortgage leaders. And you know, kudos to you, Kittle, for landing a really good one. The topic that we released on the July 19th was TMC's new leadership and industry insights. Also, we released July 21st, uh, Russ Anderson with Transformational Mortgage Solutions. And we're talking about treasury management, another way you can manage your excess capital, your cash, your cash. How are you managing it? You've got to listen to that must-listen-to interview with Russ. I'll give you some new ideas. Of course, he works with us here at TMC. TMS, and you can meet with him. Then, this coming week, no, upcoming episodes, this is Bill Cosgrove. No, it is an upcoming one. It's July 26th. I'll tell you why I'm thinking August here in just a minute. We we got caught up with Bill Cosgrove, myself, Alice, and Mark's caught up with Bill Cosgrove of Union Home Mortgage, and he gave a really brilliant update on the mortgage industry. Again, Bill was responsible, while as chairman of the MBA, starting the IMB independent mortgage bankers conference and really focusing MBA on having programs specific for IMBs. So I listened to Bill and what he has to say. He's a great friend of mine and Bill, uh, David Kittles and so many in the industry. He's a true leader. So that was a wonderful interview that Alice, Mark and I did. So check that out. That's coming out this week. Also a special thank you and shout out to each one of our contributors, Adam DeSanctis, Les Parker, Matt Grant, David Kittle, Alice Alves here, Alan Pollock here, Mark Helm, and uh, we have got a great lineup. So I see Mark just joined us. Alan just dialed in, so looking forward to doing this. So I already got two text messages in. Lickin, how much coffee did you drink? So here's what's the story behind all my extra energy today. So I don't know if you guys know this, but my oldest daughter is getting married August 5th, Saturday, coming up here two weeks from this past Saturday. She came home with a kind of a wide-eyed expression after meeting with a wedding venue planner. She says, Mom, Dad, bad news. The wedding venue will not be done. We don't have it. Would you mind if we have the reception and the dinner here at our house? Oh, sure. How many guests can we anticipate? Only about 70. It's down to 70. We invited 80, 70 people are confirmed to be coming to the wedding. And so right now, I mean, I was late dialing into the podcast. All the regulars are wondering, where's Lickin'? Are we doing a podcast today? Because I'm meeting with the gardeners are here, the builders are here. We have a massive effort to get our house, who we just had done a massive remodel to. But it looks like a brand new track house that 
no gardening, no shrubs, no nothing for landscaping. So they're scrambling to put something together, make this look reasonably positive or presentable for a reception. So Alice said before we got on, Super Dad here. So I'm playing Super Dad. We're getting it on. But yes, it's causing for some extra stress on all that's going on. So anyway, that's the reason there's a little extra energy and excitement in my voice today. Trying to get so much done before the wedding, August 5th. So anyway, congratulations, Zachary and Laura. We'll have a great wedding. Don't know what it's going to look like, but we'll have a great wedding with this place ready or not. Anyway, I am excited um, to have you all here and share what we're going to talk about. Let's start off. Hi, I'm Adam DeSanctis. This is the Mortgage Minute, the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. In a comment letter last week, MBA pushed back on the Financial Stability Oversight Council's proposed interpretive guidance on evaluating non-bank financial companies for potential designation as systemically important financial institutions. MBA does not believe IMBs, individually or as a sector, pose systemic risk to the entire U.S. financial system, and we highlighted serious flaws in the FSOC guidance and framework. Our letter outlined recommendations to FSOC, including considering the costs and benefits of non-bank SIFI designation, first look to the tools of existing regulators to address perceived risks, faithfully adhere to statutory process requirements, and to consider whether existing regulations are driving core banking activities outside the banking regulatory perimeter before extending Fed oversight to non-bank entities or activities. MBA will continue to engage with the White House, Treasury Department, and FSOC agencies and staff. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Oh, that's pretty clear. Major things major. Can't wait to get Alice on that just for this in her segment. We'll talk about that then. A lot of gold that's going on with the NBA. What they're putting, trying to put on the NBA and us is uh, really good. So I'm hearing Ben's telling me that I'm breaking up again. So I'm going to switch over to audio while we go to Les Parker. Les Parker with his TM Spotlight update. Here's Les. TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Well, we had a lot of luck with old trends. We always had a fall with Becker. We're trading all the crazy curves. Is the Fed sending us to the murky way? Recently, two-way mechanical trading reduced the price market makers charged to hedge, which brought order to mortgage pricing. Global economic and political forces drive two opposite rate narratives. But near term, the world believes Fed policy is one, more, and done. And Powell fights it. So, he dances round the one and laughs. He's face trucking every day. These views are mine. Come on and find rate paths in space at tmspotlight.com. Very good, Les Parker. I want to get a confirmation. You guys hear me all right? Kittle, I heard you there. Do you hear me all right? I just switched over to my handset, my phone, because evidently the computer is not delivering it as well as we'd like. You hear me all right, David? Yes, sir. All good, Dave. All good. Made the switch during that segment. Anyway, Les Parker, I didn't get a chance to listen to that because I was scrambling to get logged in, but good stuff. Always good stuff, and I usually get a chance to listen to it beforehand, and I didn't because of all that's going on here. But anyway, folks, it is exciting to see where these markets might be going, and Matt Graham is here with us to give us his update. Again, Matt Graham, founder and CEO of MBSLive.net, with his market update. So you're going to have to help me out here, Matt. (laughs) Didn't listen to Parker on all of that, so... You're going to have to help me out. Your thoughts on what Parker had to say and then rolling into your segment. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, a reference to the wild curve trading that's been taking place over the past week or two as the market sorts out, uh, you know, what the difference is between the things that impact the Fed rate hike outlook and those that impact the longer term outlook for inflation in the economy. So, You know, for instance, a 10-year Treasury yield has to price in 10 years worth of Fed policy and uh, economic growth and things like that, basically trying to get a 10-year average of what the Fed funds rate is going to be. 
And that's a, a daunting endeavor, and it's made sense for that to be lower than the Fed funds rate recently, because one would hope that with rates this high that inflation comes down and growth is suppressed in a way that isn't too onerous for the economy, but uh, one that helps inflation come down anyway. And the market is increasingly, maybe sometimes, believing in the Fed's credibility to deliver that. And I think that's where the, the discrepancy comes in between the people shouting from the rooftops that uh, a heavily inverted yield curve is a surefire sign of recession and those who are saying, yeah, but this isn't really as bad uh, of a signal as some might suggest. The inversion makes a lot of sense given the precipitous nature of the inflation changes over the past few years. And now we're at this point, and this dovetails into what I was going to talk about. Uh, we're at a point where the inflation data has finally hit a number that opens the door for the Fed to discuss leveling off the rate hike trajectory. Uh, mm -hmm. Clearly, you know, with the pause being on the table, and they're already in a position to, uh, to do that. Or, you know, they already paused last time, and now they're expected to hike this time. And uh, when they hike this time, it's going to be really important to hear what Powell has to say about that. But more on that in a second. Quick recap of last week, uh, really uneventful from a directionality standpoint. The bond market had just come off the previous week of a, a nice rally on CPI data and PPI data, the two inflation reports. And uh, then just sort of leveled off after that into a holding pattern last week. And uh, there wasn't a ton of economic data to really move the needle. We didn't have any Fed speakers on tap because of the blackout period, uh, the 12 days leading up to a Fed announcement in which they do not provide public comment. And uh, really, it was just jobless claims on Thursday that caused a little bit of a stumble for bonds, pushing yields higher. But uh, buyers stepped in when we broke a technical ceiling at 3.84 and um, generally still trying to hold near that ceiling, not necessarily under it because we're pushing above the early today. But even if we drift a little bit higher than that ceiling, it's still a generally sideways to slightly higher drift in yields and uh, generally waiting to see what the Fed has to say on Wednesday. Um, one other interesting thing about last week on the econ data front is this whole uh, the narrative regarding inventory for the housing market. Yes. And it often takes the blame as if you read the wrong paragraph or two, you might be confused or convinced that inventory is the reason that home sales are low. And I have always thought that sort of misses the point. I think it contributes. Naturally, there is not a lot of great inventory out there, depending on where you live, obviously. But uh, even in this existing home sales data that came out last week, which was a little bit lower than expected and still near, you know, multi-decade lows, uh, there's a little bit of a divergence between the actual inventory in terms of units and the months of inventory, of available inventory. So that months uh, data point factors in demand. And the months of inventory is actually increased relative to the inventory itself suggesting that uh, we have a demand problem as well. And that makes a ton of sense to me because you're going to have lower demand at higher rates. And, um, you know, the, the construction numbers and other metrics are starting to bear that out. We had a, a bombshell housing starts number a month ago, and now it was revised quite a bit lower in, the la in last week's update. And uh, housing starts themselves came in more in line with well, under expectations, but more in line with these sort of depressed numbers that are being suggested by existing home sales. Um, none of that was really a big market mover for the bond market, just sort of a, an interesting anecdote for the housing market and one that says, yeah, hey, guys, rates are important and rates do need to come down and that will help home sales probably more than inventory will. In fact, lower rates will probably help inventory uh, in a sort of domino effect for reasons we've discussed, you know, with respect to people being locked in their homes with their low rates. Um, mm -hmm. So coming up this week, Fed announcement, we already know they're going to hike. That's a given. Uh, the market's yep. priced it in fully. The Fed has indicated they're going to be two more hikes this year. Uh, and that part, the two more hikes this year, that is the big question because when that dot plot came out and when Powell talked about that in the congressional testimony. Uh, we did not yet have this CPI report two weeks ago that annualized out to a 2% quarter-on-quarter 
core inflation number. Um, because although the core inflation month over month was 0.2%, it was rounded up from 0.1 something. And I think 0.1 something times 12 in that case was very, very close to 2%. And uh, Powell will need to address that. And he'll need to say what the Fed thinks that means. Right. And if that means they're not going to hike a second time after this week's hike. And, um, you know, he's going to have to really thread the needle and communicate that they're going to be using a length of time spent at the terminal rate as opposed to a rate hike cut outlook. Um, in other words, the, uh, the forecast and the guidance ahead isn't about hiking and cutting. It's about how long are we staying at the ceiling? And that will be the primary form of policy communication. Uh, and he has to be careful not to instill any exuberance in financial markets that causes inflation to tick up or growth to tick up in a way that shortchanges the Fed's accomplishments thus far. And um, gosh, I don't envy that job. It's a tall order. No. And it will be very interesting to see what the market's takeaway is. All that happens in the press conference, by the way. So the announcement is at two o'clock. Uh, shouldn't be too many surprises in that. They could change the verbiage in some way that, um, you know, moves the market, but the rate hike won't be a surprise. So it's all up to Powell in the press conference to um, say his thing. And markets are going to glean something from it regardless of what he says. Uh, so, David, I have so, a question oh. for Adam. Yes, jump. Yeah, so, so great analogy. I love it. So, Adam, it would be important for everybody, including myself, the 2% core inflation. Is that 2% over last month, 2% over a year? Is it 2%? Above an 8% year, year, month inflation month. rate. Yeah. yeah. yeah so it's still, it's still up, but we still have our 8% increase from over the last year. Uh, well, over the last year, yes. But I'm talking about annualized 2%. So, you know, the 2% is an annual target. And the most recent month of data, if you multiplied it by 12, would be 2%. So, yeah, it would, you know, he has to talk about the what ifs of, let's say inflation maintains its current trajectory that it had last month. But people are still feeling it. It's 2% over last month, but still over the past months, gas is still at whatever level it is, and it still costs X more for food. It's like saying I'm mm -hmm. marking down my prices 50% off of a 327% markup. <laughs> I mean, right? So I, I don't really understand. Um, I, I guess – the Fed is focused on on the, the rate of inflation and not um, uh, atoning for past price increases. In fact, I would think they would not want prices to decrease because uh, disinflation is the only thing that's – or deflation is the only thing that's scarier than deflation, inflation yeah. to the Fed. Yeah, to yeah, and that's totally my point too. Okay, so they're, they're managing it finally, and I think that's great that we've got it down to 2%, but it's still way up over what it was. So that's it. that's what yeah, I, like I mean. Nobody would argue that it's absolutely right. you know yeah that's that's except uh, wait for in the, the book spin that comes out of the of the administration that we're at a two percent inflation rate, forgetting about the inflation of the past year or so. That'll be the spin, and they have every right to spin it however they want, but that'll be the spin. I don't really listen to anything coming out of the the political sphere when it comes to rates because I just assume everything is going to be distorted uh, when it comes to politicians. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. Uh, that, I'm encouraged to hear you say that because that's how the rest of us look at it, too. A little bit distorted. That's true. Good. Good, good, good. Matt, you do a great job. I love what you do here. We get so much feedback on it, Matt, and I probably am. I keep giving – they said, well, hey, is Eeyore going to be on this week? And so everyone locked on to when I was calling you Eeyore early on. And uh, – but your message is loved and appreciated, and I think what it is is like one. It was Parker. So I was talking to Parker. Was another person. He said, "Man, he is really crushing it in how he delivers the message lately, because you know it, it's you stay in your swim lane. Hey, I've, MBS Live. We report facts. We report where things are at. We're reporting here. You know, MBSLive.net. I got to stress the net stuff." So. Um, Stay in your swim lane, and you do a really good job. I mean, so many are trying to get off into the other aspects of it. Not that it's not legitimate. 
That's not a comment at you. That was not focused at you, Kittle. It was just generally speaking, everyone goes so many different directions. What's going to happen? They read into the, the tea leaves of what Powell's saying and understand the markets will do that. But you just got to present things factually and just keep people focused on the facts. And that's what you do at mbslive.net. And I applaud you for it, my friend. You do, and it's splendid job of it. Stellar job, my friend. Good job. Thank you. Any other, any other good news for us? Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah, no. Um, no bad news. No additional bad, no bad news, though. So you got that going for you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's that. Lord, no, we don't need that. Although we're going to be talking about some news that just got released by the National Mortgage News. The lawsuit may redefine realtor fees, forcing lenders to adapt. It was released this morning at uh, uh, July 24th. Well, this was July 21st, so I guess it was released on Friday. So anyway, interesting read. We'll talk about that in Alice's segment in just a minute. Matt Graham, thank you for being here each and every week. Hope you can stick in here and add your anecdotal wisdom as you um, see fit. Appreciate it very much. Check out mbslive.net to get signed up. Oh, many of our listeners already have. Those that have not, you need to do it, especially these times where they're as volatile as they are. You need to get a comprehensive system that provides you a lot of different perspective and some really great facts. I have it up behind my screen. Kittle's always giving you a bad time about the data, the screen I have behind me, because it, it really looks good. But it's better than that. It's got some great information. So, Matt Graham, check it out. You're, what you do is awesome. Uh, you can sign up for Matt's mbslive.net system by going there and then putting in LOL for Liquid on Lending on the sign-up code, and you'll get an extended trial period without the need of a credit card needing to be input. You just sign up. Use it. You'll love it. So affordable. Appreciate you, Matt. Thanks much. All right. Thanks, Dave. Let's get over to Mr. You betcha, bud. Let's get over to Mr. Kittle. Um, thanks for texting me that my audio was, went horrible there for a little while. Appreciate that update. And then also, thank you so much for posting um, within the TMC network the interview we did with Melissa. I thought it was a really good interview, and I got to tell you, I'm so encouraged. Not only for TMC, David, but also for our industry. Now, that may also explain why we've had such a crazy spike in our listeners. A lot, this is Friday's numbers. When Ben shot these over, he says, hey, more good news about the growth of our listenership. On Friday, we had in 24 hours 4,544 listens, downloads of our podcast. And the last week, in, in, in Friday to Friday, we, before we had 12,801 listens. I want to thank you all listeners. I keep asking you to share this with others, and obviously you are, because these are just crazy growth numbers, and we're just thrilled. Again, what we try to do, and the aim of our podcast is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime, anywhere, and it's the thought leadership. And I don't know if it's some of the recent rants I've been going on, but whatever reason, it's resonating and it's working, at least uh, – Looks like it's continuing to grow. We're grateful for that. And Mr. Kittle, thank you for posting that out there. What did you think of that interview? I'm really liking, really liking Melissa. Well, a couple, yeah. Look, obviously uh, she's doing a great job. Just uh, the few weeks she's been in the seat, staff loves her. And um, to your point, David, I don't want you to get too excited about 4,000 downloads. I listened to it about 500 times myself. Okay, so you screwed up the numbers. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. So no, we appreciate the opportunity that you gave Melissa to do that, and uh, no, she enjoyed yeah. it. And uh, we're getting great feedback from it as well. So, yeah, good okay. move. So, what, what's your take? On, I mean, any? Did you see the headlines with the realtor? Uh, I, I think the, the the lawsuit with uh, NRA, uh, NAR, National Association of Realtors, with. Um, uh, this this seems to be getting some momentum, and there's more and more people. This article is written fairly neutral, not trying to project the outcome of it. But if we were to see that the redefined realtor fees, David, this is going to be significant. One of the things it says in this article, it could be undoing, the undoing of the NAR, National Association of Realtors. I mean, their survivability out of this could be in question. Thoughts? Sure. I mean – well, our industry certainly has changed in the last eight or nine years, right? And they've been somewhat affected by everything that's gone on with the new regulations and the CFPB, the realtors have, so over the home builders. But 
you know, this is a, a commission thing. I don't think anybody accepts a contract anymore. And this is a broad statement paying yeah. 6%. I mean, you know, and that's part of what they're talking about. I mean, the, the commission, what they charge, how they charge the structure, and it's all over the board. And uh, it's their fees have changed. So I agree with you. I think it it, it could put, you know, has their internal structure in their trade association changed with the times? Yes. And that's going to be the biggest question. And and what does it mean to us? I mean, we are in shifting stands as an industry. It seems like it anyway. Some things just never seem to change, but a lot has changed over my 50 years in the industry. And is but this would be tectonic type shift when you look at what does this mean? Because we're talking. By the way, listeners, we're talking about only the seller side of the commission. The listing side is still. Uh, not being challenged, but the seller side, what the seller, uh, what what the buyer, the buyer side is is, is paying, uh, what the seller is paying on behalf of the buyer is what I'm talking about, and so that's really the focus here. So, you know, I'm not I'm not a realtor, David, but I did take, you know, real estate finance <laughs> and the classes and everything, so it is, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be accurate on this, that the commission that's paid. The realtor, whether they are a realtor representing the buyer in the transaction, they're really representing the seller because they're being – that's what the lawsuit's about partially. The seller's paying the commission on both sides. So when you think your realtor is representing you and they may be helping you negotiate, they are being paid by uh, the commission being charged to the seller. So they're really legally representing the seller in the transaction. So where, if this passes, if this goes through and they're successful and National Association of Realtors loses, NAR loses, where could this go? I mean, what I'm seeing is, again, another major disruption to the marketplace, David, And uh, but it also with every major disruption comes new opportunity. And I think this is where we have to start throwing our th- thoughts. And I was on with one of our clients earlier, Alcoba Mortgage. I was talking to them earlier. And I love where their brains go. These three guys, we're going to have them on the podcast because uh, I just want to showcase the way these guys think about things like this. But it does cause for a major potential change. Who, the, someone's going to be paying something for that part of the fee. Or does it go all the way? I mean, more and more consumers are going to Zillow to look for a home. Many times, more and more people are saying, I just need a realtor so I can finish out this contract and make the offer. And um, so where does this go? Is it, are we going to find the realtors that are representing the, the buyers now working inside of the mortgage companies? What opportunities does that present? I've got to tell you, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm sensing, and that could be wrong, but um, – Many that who say, I don't want any more change, you're hoping this does not go through. But if it does go through, what are the opportunities in this? That's what I'm, you know, I want to be talking about this as we think forward, uh, getting our listeners yeah, I, I, going on this. So to your point, it's all speculation between now and then until it's decided. Yeah. And uh, you just have to see who's going to be paying what. Then you got disclosure issues from our side. Yeah. All right. Um, you think of it in that context from the originator and what's that going to do, you know, what's going to have to be the data put into the LOS to help. Is this part of uh, truth in lending? Surely should be at that point if the buyer's paying. So there's all kinds of consequences to it depending on how it falls. Yeah. Mark, get you in in just a minute. Let's get Alice in on this discussion. Alice, we got your segment coming up in just a minute, but I'd love to have you weigh in on this as you contemplate this. Any thoughts you have? Uh, yes, I have quite a few, but in trying to keep with your theme on trying to stay positive on it, what is the innovation that could come out of it? Because all I think Thank of you. is, well, if you push this to the buyer, they already don't have enough money to close. And so you, you, the ripple effect that is talked about in the article I think is an important one to be aware of that it's not as simple as saying, well, then split the fee and have the buyer pay half because, you know what, most people already don't have enough money to close. And you really start to cut out the low mod income and first-time homebuyer markets if you say, here, you cover the extra 3% or 2.5%, whatever the number might be. 
whatever the number goes. So from a positive, yeah, from a positive standpoint, if indeed technology has taken over a big chunk of this job and people are shopping and you need to divide the fees, then let's just cut the fees. <laughs> right? That's what they say yeah. to loan officers all the time. Hey, cut your fees so we can close the loan. So um, I think there's a lot to be looked at here because of that aspect. It's, it's not that simple to say split it. I thought what was super interesting in the article was they pointed out this system for compensation has been around since 1908. Yes, yes, yes. I thought that was interesting. That was a really interesting point. And uh, I, when you start looking at what this means um, and where we come from technology. one there, David. <laughs> I'm not quite that old yet. So funny. Give me a bad time. I love it. Only, only 50 years. Only 50 years. But 1973. But what the heck? Been around forever. And to your point, we've got now. So I was thinking about this. We were talking with some of our clients about this. And we were saying, okay, so many stockbrokers said, hey, stock trading is really difficult. It's a challenge. We, we bring a huge value by pushing the buy or sell button to trade your stock. Then along came Schwab, and then along came all the other discount brokers. Then a lot of travel agents came along and said, hey, listen, booking of airline flight is complicated. You don't want to mess with that. Let us get involved. We'll take care of it. We have had that. We've been doing it since 1908 or however long they've been doing Whatever. No, not quite that long. Airlines. But anyway, the point is it's, you know, all these things that have been the underpinnings of our industry, uh, of industries, is all changed. Is this too going to change? And Alice, I know this is going to have huge ramifications. You hit on a really good one. What does this do to create barrier of entry for our first home home buyers? I think there's going to be some solutions in here. I think the solution is not just say, well, the buyer's going to have to pay 3%. I suspect the 3% is going to go down dramatically. But then how is that going to be, how is that going to be handled and who's paying it? There will be some very innovative opportunities that come out of this for those that choose to think about it differently. So we'll see the obstacles, but um, that's that. So, Mr. Kittle, any other thoughts you have for us? And Otherwise, we'll roll over. Oh, i got to get over to Mark. I want to get Mark as co-host. He came so, in late uh, to the hold podcast. Hold on. Let me give you one po- yep. about one positive, yep. okay? So building oh, yes, one positive. Way up. Building permits Home. are up. I saw that. That's, that's a great thing to see in our industry. Applications okay. are rising. Way, way up. And so are the buildings. So go to yeah. Mark. Yeah, yeah. Guess where I saw that? Guess where I saw that? MBSLive.net. Yes, MBSLive.net. Another shout out to our marvelous Matt. That's what we're gonna do. Marvelous Matt. All right. Thank you, Pa. Very much. Kittle, stay involved in all of this. Mark, as you're listening in again, sorry to acknowledge you earlier. I know you dialed in a little bit late, so I. You're down there on the list, so normally you're at the top list. But Mark, any thoughts you have before we move on to Alice's rest yeah. of Alice's report? Well, you know me, David. I always got an opinion about everything, so I'm going to give you an opinion. Um, I am uh, a person who's been involved in the mortgage industry my whole career, and I just I, I can't put in how many words, how much disdain I have for the CFPB. You know, I so we'll That's, go off yeah. on that tangent one of these years. I think that's shared by a number of people. We're going to go there. We're going to go there in just a minute. So. But what I'm having a problem with is the mountain out of a molehill they're making here because part of my career, I owned a real estate company. A lot of people don't know that. I had a real estate company for five years as an investment. I was a kind of like a silent partner, and but I was the owner of the company. You know, I I had good people running it and it was doing well. This, this thing of uh, people, realtors, compromising their fee to make a, uh, a loan close, we've been doing that for decades, guys. That's no big secret. I mean, I can't tell you how many deals I've seen that have closed because the uh, seller or the buyer or realtor is willing to compromise their fee to make a transaction work that wouldn't have worked otherwise. So it happens already. So the, to bring this technology thing in and say that people can do all this work and they need to be able to get a fee, if they go to a realtor on their own, it doesn't have to be legislated, and say, uh, hey, I found a buyer from my property and I hadn't listed it, but I want somebody to handle paperwork. People are not going to ask them for a 6% fee to do that. They're not going to do it. I see it all the time with a reduced fee for that. So, And, and I still have a, a realtor office uh, in a piece of property that I rent out, and I talk to that head of that realtor office all the time about things. And she's a dis- 
disruptive. Uh, her business has been erupted by everything that's happened in our economy so much anyway. And she's the one that tells me that she's the profound person that tells me that it is not the uh, availability of properties. It's more driven by the rate of what we have happening right now because she said she's got plenty of properties as well. Nobody can afford the payment on them is the property. Okay. So, uh, and then we're still playing around months later on this CFPB thing, you know, that's out there that's affecting the other things we deal with, with the constitutionality of CFPB and can't even get two circuit courts to agree on it. So it's kind of a limbo thing that we still have there. So we've got all that in limbo, but I, I don't think that what they're trying to do is necessary in my opinion. That is only my opinion. I'd love to hear what other people on the phone ever say, but I don't think it's necessary for our country right now to have the involvement that they're thinking about having at this point in time with this uh, realtor fee issue. Yeah, well, it's uh, it, it's it's coming to a head. The article it clearly spells. I mean, it's October, I believe, and this, the ruling is going to be on this. So we will see and what kind of disruption. So, Mark, thanks for weighing in on that. Um, Kittle, thanks for your comments. Appreciate it so much. Alice Alvey, good to have you here with us adding in. Thanks for jumping in on that previous point. One of the things I want, I want to get your update, Alice, but one of the things I want to talk about, because I think it relates to this, are we seeing, if in fact the constitutionality of CFPB uh, gets challenged and um, in the U.S. Supreme Court, do, I mean, I've, I've, what I'm trying to get our listeners to think about is it possible that we're seeing some tectonic shifts in the marketplace? If it takes you by surprise, it's not good. If you have been thinking about it, if you're anticipating, if nothing happens, did you, did you hurt yourself by contemplating things? Maybe caught, caught up with some, caught some other ideas of what could change. I think, I mean, we, I think we are dealing with change. And I think it doesn't hurt for us to have these comments about have this discussion about it. So anyway, love to get your thoughts. Any updates on the CFPB rolling through the Supreme Court? Any updates, Alice? Have you heard? Uh, they have not given us a final decision yet. I think I'd have to look I at know. my notes, but I think we're still a few months away from that. We're still a few months away. Yeah, I thought it was mm-hmm. that too is coming up in October, or uh, or they'll make a decision, but it won't be released until next year. Even is that correct, Alice? I'd have to, I don't have those notes in front of me, Dave. I don't want to shoot from the hip on yep. when it would no, be sorry. released, but I do recall G- October as well came to my mind on that. that it's it when they'll be, make the that's dis- when the case yeah. would be mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be yeah. ruled, and then they do their writing, and then they publish it in, I think it's mm-hmm. January is what I anticipate. Well, I mean, what I recall from your saying, my auditory retention is better than my written, so writing, uh, reading. So anyway, good, thanks. Let's get into your report, Alice, what you got for us. Well, sure. And then just to back up uh, one second. So with uh, Mark's comments, I, I fully agree. You know, I, uh, the realtor community is extremely valuable. And uh, I just think that we have to try and make sure that what the solution, uh, just for clarity, is through lawsuits. I shouldn't say the solution. The issue is through lawsuits. Uh, this isn't a CFPB action that would be right. impacting NAR. Just to make sure these are through there are three lawsuits that are pending that each one would have a potential different impact if the national association of realtors were to lose at either one of those so that's uh, that's my quick follow-up on that one Uh, i just have a couple follow-up items the credit score changes that i talked about back on june 5th so this is fanny and freddie being required to implement the vantage score uh, they've had a couple meetings on this now. The industry feedback was collected in June. They still have to review and pull all of that together. And as an industry, we're still waiting to get the specifications for data delivery. And the timeline shows that that should be somewhere in about September. But if you think about this, uh, one of the things that was interesting that I wanted to share with our listeners is that during this testing phase, when this does get up and running, it will be a running in parallel testing phase with the Vantage score and the FICO 10T, leaving the classic FICO behind. And in that would be that the agency still have to prove this will be a benefit to the borrower. You can go to the Vantage score website and learn all about how the scoring is a little bit different and should be pulling in more consumers to be eligible for financing. But this still has to get proven out within the AUS models, uh, you know, in, in real life, you know, in a live environment. 
Uh, so that'll be a phase that we have to go through throughout 2024. So if people were thinking about, you know, how soon will this come into play, uh, this has got a lot of analysis and a long pilot period before this comes uh, this comes to fruition. So just wanted to clarify that for when that might be coming down uh, in its way off into the future. Um, another bill that I talked about was the H.R. 4198. This is the credit score trigger bill that we really want to make sure all of our senators and representatives uh, have eyes on this. So far, we've only seen two additional sponsors. So please use Mortgage Action Alliance or go there yourself and let your congresspeople know we really are in favor of 4198 to make sure that trigger leads are not overly used, uh, stopping lenders from soliciting our clients, uh, for those of us who are servicers, and are really trying to get a handle on that. So, And uh, the MBA is behind that as well. So it's HR yes. 4198. And that's my report for today, Dave. Yeah, and I want to double down on what you're saying, Alice. That's why it's so important that we do use the Mortgage Action Alliance app. Download it on your smartphone. Have your word, Have your voice heard because that is a really, really good – that's a good one we need to get behind. MBA, thank you again for all that you're doing on our behalf. Alice, thank you for your good report. Alice, it was so much fun doing that uh, that podcast with Bill. That was – I thoroughly enjoyed that. And then especially knowing that he had that room full of interns there uh, as he did it in front of them. I thought that was really a nice touch, which talks yes. to Bill's <laughs> commitment to continue to draw new new talent into our new blood into our industry and bring in the next generation. Uh, so kudos to Bill on that. I, I'm really excited about sharing and publishing that, that interview. Thanks for participating. It was a lot of fun. Really You're welcome. During the whole summer time that the interns are with us, uh, every week there's a group of interns that shadow Bill uh, for a day. And so they love that experience to see the day in the life of a CEO. Yeah, it was it was just so impressive that he did that in front of them. So uh, when they were sitting around the conference table, it was really nice, really wonderful. Appreciate Union Home. Appreciate you. Appreciate them having allowing you to continue to come on the podcast because I know how busy you are. It's an investment in us. And so thank you, Bill, Al, and team, executive team there at um, Union Home for having Alice be here. And Alice, thanks for all that you do to prepare, bring us great information. All right, let's get on to Mr. Pollock. Alan Pollock is here with a tech update. Uh, I, I try to think, Alan, who I was talking to this past week, and then going, I know it was Mark, and then several others commented, this tech update is really interesting. He comes forward with just great information, new things that we can't possibly try and stay on top of everything. So what do you have for us today, Mr. Pollock? Oh, I realized, doggone, I'm sorry, that's my bad, Alan. I'm looking at the switchboard, and I tapped your microphone, and it. There we are. Now we got you on. I tapped well, it earlier, and I don't know why I didn't turn on. I apologize. Okay. Good to have you. I got to say, David, I, I've been listening uh, during this podcast so far today, and such great content. Uh, it's nice to hear David Kittle's voice back on the program, and uh, yes, this, and when this he finally market, shows up every holy, once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> this market, That's holy cow. <clears throat> So I got a good joke, David, and you always laugh at my jokes whether they're good or bad, so that's why I'm not afraid to say it. Yeah, so here we go. Host. Especially, yeah, especially with the billion-dollar uh, lottery winner that we had in California. You ready? Yes. A man asks his wife, what would you do if I won the lottery? She said, I'd take half and leave you. He said, great. I just won $12. Here's six. Please stay in touch. <laughs> That's funny. That is that is that's actually a pretty good one. Yeah. Kittle can Kittle yeah. can appreciate that for many reasons. <laughs> All right. All right. I don't think you get out of tax free, right? I think if it's under two hundred and fifty bucks, you don't pay taxes. Easy settlement. All right. So what you got All right. for us on the tech Well, update? before I get into the I oh, I've got, it's got me laughing. Stuff, so I'm gonna I'm going to cut some of it, but get this. You know, we're finding more and more people are working less, even though they're more productive working from home. This yeah. is, I get, a, a, I get a, a daily email from a group called The Hustle, which is such great information every day. There's all kinds of content. 
Well, this one was a Google search. It was on the job from nine to five, or is it really four? And they, they looked over the years at what people are Googling on how to get out of work sooner. And there's two that made it to the top. The first one is this phrase, would you look at the time? And the second one is the phrase, let's call it a day. So those are the top two broadly searched terms or results that people are finding when looking how to get out of work early. And yes. So David, we've got a lot of people living the van life. They're living off the grid or half on the grid. Um, Amazon is now investing $120 million in a Florida facility that will prepare satellites for what they call Project Cooper, if I'm pronouncing it right. Um, it's space Project broadband. Cooper. And, hmm. Yeah. It's space broadband, and it's a rival to, obviously, Elon Musk's Starlink. Yeah. And it will be about 3,500 satellites, and um, it'll be ready soon. So uh, check it out. Uh, if you live off the grid or you live in the van life and you're interested, as you're looking for your next home, because you've been saving up for that big, giant down payment. <laughs> and automated payments. I mentioned this one, David. It's kind of connected to the mortgage industry. Everything is going digital, right? We know that. And I, there's been a lot of people saying, you know, I don't want currency to go digital. Um, guess what, guys? It already is digital. If you don't think that, you know, you're, everything you spend your money on, except for a very little, little, little bit of cash transactions, is not being uh, aggregated and reported on or categorized, uh, you're definitely wrong. So get this. Amazon is also launching what's called pay-by-pum at all of their whole Pay by stores. what? Pay by what, did you pum. say? P-A-L-M, pum. Palm. So it's okay. called Pay by Palm, and okay. it is going to be within all of its Whole Foods stores this year. And it obviously will have your prints on file, and you'll be able to just push your, put your hand on the screen and pay and walk. So, so you yeah. high-five the register and walk out, That's okay? That's exactly right. They should have called it the high-five payment. The high-five exactly right. <laughs> So funny. Okay. So right. that that's – yeah, I, I totally get that. That and the iris. The fun. Yeah, it's coming. Your, your iris. So yep. FTC settlement on the Ice and Black Knight deal. So there's an article on Housing Wire. You can Google it. Go check it out. And it is called um, The Odds Now Favor an FTC Settlement on the Ice Black Knight Deal. And the content below says they are, look poised to finally settle. So obviously um, selling off Optimal Blue was a very big thing to um, – Mm-hmm. To, to put another another vendor in the market and also to you know to reduce the risk of of having that entity that they don't want to have. So check it out. Uh, for those of you that don't know, by the way, on your iPad or Apple device, there's a section called News, and if you go in there, you can add. I have a whole bunch of news organizations that I look at, like Digital Trends and some other real techie ones. But Housing Wire is in there, and you can oh, read good. articles like six six or eight um, little squares. I didn't squares. realize that four or five rows at a time, and you can get through a day or entire week of Housing Wire sto- stories instantly. Very cool. So just check that out. Very cool. I, that's another great tip. I love what Clayton's well, doing. Clayton Collins is a good friend, and he just interviewed me on his podcast. And that podcast is getting crazy long number of downloads as well. So it was really fun to be there. But I love the innovativeness that he's doing. We're going to have him on the podcast as a special guest. We're in the process of getting that all scheduled up. And um, so I love what, 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 what he's doing, especially when he bought Real Trends. That was another one of those smart move. Clayton, way to go. So they, you can get the Housing Wire news on the uh, news on your iPhone yeah. and um, iPad. Excellent. I'll do that. So yeah, it's very on. cool. And, and it will notify you of – you can set it to set, you know, new stories uh, or keywords. Yeah. You can have it notify you, which is pretty cool. All right. Let's talk Fannie Mae and let's talk lender surveys, right? This is every, every once in a while, every quarter or so this comes out. So Fannie Mae did another survey, and they looked at what were the top business priorities for lenders. They do categorize the lenders out by depository, non-depository, and on the depository side, they look at the difference between banks and credit unions and such. Right. Um, here's, here's the high level. Uh, and they compare 2020 quarter two to 2020 quarter, 2021 quarter two. So every year from 2020, they look at all the quarter twos. And right now, cost cutting across all lending organizations is the highest. 35% of folks say that they're focused on cost cutting. 32%, David, say that business process streamlining is most important. And you know what the final mm, one is? Finally. 
Finally, finally. Here finally. we go. What is 24% talent, management, and leadership. Good. That's the first time that I've really seen that in the news, right? Everyone's been focused on digital transformation and lowering costs. Right. But it comes down to the orchestration and the leadership, right? So that was very, very interesting. Now, let's talk about one, one other quick thing about this survey. It says, and this is verbatim from Fannie Mae, in other words, mortgage bank priorities reflect higher cost and revenue pressures, okay, whereas depository institutions' priorities, they reflect challenges of meeting regulatory changes and recruiting talent to drive sales. That was really, really interesting. So if you're a vendor listening to this podcast, you've got to be a partner. You have, you have to be a tech partner, not a tech provider. And, David, that takes us down to what I said last week we would continue talking about this week, which was a survey about, you know, considerations for your software partnerships and how costly right. they truly are. Um, and, you know, one of the things I mentioned last week was keeping your eyes down the road. And more specifically, it was about seeking out partnerships and third-party vendors is a big factor in the price. And most buyers will price compare or price shop different vendors, but they neglect to look and consider the hidden financial cost. As an example, a, a or other LOS systems actually will cost a lot of money if you need to hire a third-party consultant to configure your system. So do you have the right staff? Can you make the right investment in that vendor? And you need to compare different vendors in that different way. Um, time and resources truly add up. This is category number two. And this is the one we didn't really get into last week. I only mentioned it. And what it basically says is that partnering with new technology vendors requires a significant amount of time and resources to administer each relationship, including the vetting process, the due diligence process and reports, paying invoices, and even managing support staff and implementation timelines. This, this is all before you've even gotten the tech that you paid for. So wow. you, as you're thinking about what Fannie Mae said about talent management and leadership, yeah. before you make certain hires and fires, do you have the right folks to make sure that you can manage your vendors? And how many vendors are you managing? Now, I'm going to pause it right there, David. Next week we're going to talk about the all-in-one vendors, which there's a lot of, and having the right partnership. But just think about what we talked about today. Looking down the road at the true cost of having a vendor and do you have the time and resources aligned with the right staff to even manage them before you even get to use the tech? Boy, some thought-provoking information here, Alan. I mean, things you need to be considering. And if people want to talk to you about this as they're looking at their tech stack, I am really encouraged by what Byte's approach to this, uh, to the way they approach it, one-year contracts, the way they're going about it. There seem to be the lower cost mm -hmm provider in there, but there's many factors that go into this, and there's no but in that. There are many factors. And so I think it's getting the guidance from someone like you just to have a conversation. I know you're willing, you're so generous with your time that you do have these conversations just on a pro bono. Yes, if you want to retain you, that's a different deal. Different deal. But I'm you have so much to share. Absolutely. Yeah. And I actually have a lender right now that we're, we're entering the contract phase, and I'm going to help them with exactly that. Um, I, I will say, and I'll leave it with this, we have so many super, super talented vendors and amazing yes. features, and they're all great platforms that it is a hard decision, and you just have to make sure it, you're, not, you're not making decisions based on, you know, you went to a great party at a conference or you like the CEO of that company. <laughs> it's, it's truly yeah. does it fit in within your organization and your talent pool. So I'll leave it at that yep. for this week, David, but you know That's how to it. get hold of David or I. That's right, Alan yep. at TMS Advisors or David at TMS Advisors. Yep, a Alan is A-L-L-E-N, so very good. We're at the top of the hour, everyone, so we're going to cut this short. Mark, anything you want to add as we part out, head out the door, and then get around to you, Mr. Kittle, and any last That's thoughts? It's another, uh, another Mark? wonderful podcast, David. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for being a co-host. I love your participation. Mr. Kittle, any last thoughts? None at all. I gave it. I gave earlier. So. Yeah, you gave her. I gave at the office. I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry for giving you a bad time. David Kittle and I are such good friends, and it's based on just 
peer harassing each other. We value Indeed. all of the, it is truly, truly, truly a dear, dear friendship, and we're so grateful for it. Again, congratulations on Melissa. That was a great interview. I encourage you all to go listen to it. Listen to what we're releasing this week. Check out the podcast website, lickingonlending.com. We're redoing the website. Got an exciting new release coming out. Very excited about that. But check out what we got. A lot of good information there. Have a great week, everybody. It's at the top of the clock, at the top of the hour. So 1 o'clock here, Central Time. Go have a great week and look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.